Welcome to the market, sponsored by the CME Group. Dateline, Friday, August 24th, Chicago. Hello again, along with Max Armstrong, Orion Samuelson, for our weekly visit on markets from Wall Street to livestock feedlots and the wheat and soybean fields of the Midwest. And as always, it's been a busy and fascinating week. And we'll start with a look at Wall Street and where we ended, because it was a record-setting week on Wall Street. And here's the story. The benchmark S&P 500 index clinched its longest bull market run today, closing above its previous January high, as Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell confirmed the U.S. Central Bank's current pace of rate increases. Now, the S&P had last reached a new closing high on January 26th, but after that, it retreated for more than 10% a correction that lasted until February 8th. But today's new closing high confirmed the bull run of the index remained intact. And the good part of the reason? The meeting in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, the annual event. And speaking at that symposium, Fed Chief Powell said the Fed's gradual interest rate hikes were the best way to protect the economic recovery, to maintain strong job growth, and to keep inflation under control. His comments did very little to change market expectations of a rate hike in September and perhaps again in December. But investors said they were reassured that the chief's comments stayed in line with previous commentary from the Fed regarding policy and economic data also boosted sentiment today. New orders for key U.S.-made capital goods increased more than expected in July, and the Commerce Department reported that shipments' growth held firm. One market strategist in New York said that's what the markets wanted to hear. The economic data and strong environment as a whole is the basis, and Powell didn't get in the way. And so for the day, the Dow Industrial Average ended up 133 points at 25,790. The S&P 500 gained 17 points to end the day in the week at 2874. And the NASDAQ Composite added 67 points to close the week at 79.46. Now for the week, The Dow added nearly half a percent, the S&P gained 0.87%, and the Nasdaq went up one and two-thirds of a percent. A dip in the dollar after Powell's comments helped lift materials and energy stocks as the prices of oil and metals rose. Netflix shares today up 5.8% to add the most gains to the S&P 500. Autodesk shares up 15%, and that was the greatest percentage gain among S&P 500 stocks after the software maker's quarterly results came in better than estimates. But then there was the apparel industry, shares of Gap and Foot Locker, 
down 8.6% and 9.2% respectively after the two retailers posted disappointing same-store sales. And for the day, advancing issues outnumbered declining issues by a two-and-a-half to one ratio. And the S&P 500 posted 36 new 52-week highs and four new lows, while the NASDAQ recorded 150 new highs and 31 new lows. But it was the S&P 500 making the news today and, again, coming up with the longest-running bull run ever after a steep sell-off seven months ago that topped the market into a correction. And the humming economy has supported the market for most of the year, as have record share repurchase announcements, as companies used a cash windfall from last year's corporate tax cuts. The lowest subsequent S&P 500 close after the high on January 26th occurred in a very short time happened February 8th, and that marked a nine-day 10% fall in the S&P 500. Earlier this week, the S&P 500 briefly traded above the January 26th high, which was also its close that day, but it did not end above it. And an important commodity that we have to check on every week because all of us use it, particularly agriculture and the trucking industry, and I'm talking about oil. And oil prices gained more than 1% today, ending a run of declines on signs that Iran's sanctions may limit global supply and that a trade war may not cut China's appetite for U.S. crude oil. So for the day, Brent crude settled up $1.09 a barrel, and U.S. crude was up $0.89, ending the week at $68.72 a barrel. U.S. crude rose more than 4% on the week, after seven consecutive weekly declines. So a little better week for the oil market. Now let's take a look ahead to next week, see what data is on schedule to be released that would impact the marketplace. And there is a lot of it that will provide fresh clues on the health of the U.S. economy. Tuesday, the U.S. Conference Board expected to report that its Consumer Confidence Index slipped to 126.5 in August from a reading of 127.4 in July. Another survey on Tuesday will likely show the S&P Case-Shiller House Price Index going up 6.5% year-on-year in June after a similar gain in May. On Wednesday, the Commerce Department expected to revise second quarter gross domestic product growth by a tenth of a percentage point. The Commerce Department expected to report on Thursday that consumer spending increased four-tenths of a percent in July. And of course, on Thursday every week, we get the initial claims for state unemployment benefits for the week ended August 25th. Those numbers expected to increase to 214,000 
from 210,000 the previous week. Pretty well have wound up the earnings report season, but Dollar General Corporation expected to report an increase in second quarter revenue on Thursday, helped by higher customer traffic. Best Buy will report second quarter earnings on Tuesday. The electronics retailer has stabilized the business by aggressively cutting costs under its Renew Blue program, and it's likely to benefit from an uptick in consumer spending that has helped other retailers. On Tuesday, another earnings report that's watched by the industry. That's from upscale jeweler Tiffany & Company. It's expected to post an increase in second quarter sales as the company starts to reap benefits from a change in strategy of targeting younger customers. Under a new CEO, Tiffany has been pouring money into marketing its revamped and more modern product lines. Investors and analysts will be looking for details about the 2018 investment plans by Tiffany. Hewlett-Packard Enterprise Company expected to report an increase in third quarter profit on Tuesday, helped by higher demand for its servers storage, and network equipment. And then we get back to the apparel industry. Apparel maker American Eagle Outfitters expected to report an increase in second quarter sales on Wednesday. And um, they're expected to be boosted by a gain in the lingerie brands campaign to be inclusive of all body types. Not quite sure what that means. But anyway, Thursday, apparel retailer Abercrombie and Fitch expected to report an increase in second quarter comparable sales, boosted again by its Hollister line of surfwear. While Wall Street will also be interested to see if there are any signs of a turnaround in the company's international stores. And business software developer Salesforce.com expected to report an increase in second quarter revenue and profit as it continues to benefit from growing demand for its cloud-based sales and marketing software. Cloud storage provider Box Incorporated expected to report an increase in second quarter revenue on Tuesday as it adds more clients for its service. And then, looking north of the border, Canada's Gross Domestic Product Report, the country's main economic data, due on Thursday, and data on Wednesday expected to show how Canada's current account deficit fared in the second quarter. So, not quite as many earnings reports coming out, but we're still reporting several of them that indeed could have an impact on the market. The housing industry continues to have its challenge because lack of inventory, higher interest rates, and higher prices for homes across the country. So that's pretty much what's happened and what's going to happen on Wall Street. What about in the agricultural commodity world? 
Well, next week is Farm Progress Show Week in Boone, Iowa. That may give manufacturers an indication of farmers' interest in replacing older equipment. But we'll talk about that later on the markets. And Max Armstrong is going to sit down with Greg Grow of Archer Financial Services to talk markets and market impacts when we continue on the market sponsored by the CME Group. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. Greg Groh joins us this weekend. Archer Financial Services to talk about what's going on out there. First in the fields. We've been hearing from the crop tours that these beans, soybeans, look pretty doggone good and have many have benefited from rains of just the past few days. What's your take on that? Well, Greg? as we all know, soybeans are an August crop and they need rain in August and we just got a good shot of rain across a lot of key growing areas. Uh, that plus the uh, data coming in from the crop tower uh, crop tour indicate uh, we're probably USDA is pretty accurate right now and, and that yield may actually go up a little bit on the September report. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I had one farmer not far south of Chicago tell me this week that one rain delivered to his fields may have very well added as much as 10 bushels to the acre. He was very dry. He had been in a dry pocket, missed many rains. He said there were several pods toward the top of the plants that were flat. Uh, He felt they could be on the road to abortion in terms of uh, that plant's ability to produce beans in the top but he said the yield potential had been enhanced greatly. That September bean number is going to go up, isn't it? It feels like it. And again, it was just a very timely rain across a very big swath of, uh, of the upper Midwest. Uh, historically, that's very important. I can recall back to 2012, which was the big drought year, and we had some big rains come in right at the end of August. I think it was a hurricane that came up and brought rain all the way up to the Great Lakes, and bean yields rebounded uh, you know, very interestingly in a drought year. So it, it certainly potential is there. Now, as far as corn is concerned, people have been out looking in the fields. What are they seeing? Well, there were some dry pockets in areas, but generally, I think that the uh, season went pretty well. Concern is that the crop has matured very quickly. You know, if you look at your heat maps during the summer from June here through August, we've been running two to three degrees above normal throughout the entire period. That's probably pushing corn uh, a little bit faster to maturation than people would like, and the effect on kernel depth and air fill will will have to judge. But uh, right now, from some of the early checks, it, it appears that the USDA number may be fairly accurate. Uh, we'll have to wait and see when, when the combines roll, I think, this year. Some folks have said they thought maybe the August number would be the highest we'd see on the, the corn yield this year. It's quite possible that that may be the high number, and, and I suspicion that this heat is going to drag that yield a little lower but uh, I've been wrong before, especially with last year's kind of comparison to crop conditions and so forth. So it'll be interesting. I think that uh, corn yields continue to always surprise us. 
This time of year, we start to watch the seed corn results a little bit. We'll hear some reports coming in from the, the seed corn harvest. Have there been any, any of those reports you've heard yet? Not a lot, but I think generally people that have been out scouting those fields are pretty happy with what they see, and that's pretty much the comment that I've had. The uh, crop has been put through some heavy rains in recent days. I mean, I, I look back at what happened early in the week in areas of eastern Nebraska, Western Iowa, there were some excessive rains. That's in limited scope enough. It's not going to affect things too much, you think? It doesn't appear. I mean, like I say, there was isolated dry areas. We all know what happened down in Missouri this year with with problems there with drought. There certainly were some storms. There was damage across Nebraska and areas of Minnesota at times this summer. But uh, from a big picture point of view, it doesn't look like it's going to dent things too much. Those recent rains, I mean, they amounted to 10 to 12 inches in in some spots. some spots, but you know, when you think about July, I heard, you know, when you think of Des Moines area, I think in July had less than a half an inch or three quarters of an inch of rain for the month of July. So a lot of rain came in August. I'm, I know some areas are probably very, uh, were very hurt by that with, you know, excessive moisture, but I think that a lot of areas were able to absorb this rain pretty well. What's your gut feeling about uh, the start of this harvest and the, the progress that we'll make? Is, is it going to be a fairly quick harvest? It feels like that in corn. I think there'll be a lot of activity possibly around mid-September towards the end of September. So, you know, the crop got planted a couple weeks earlier than we've seen the last couple of years. So harvest is going to come a little earlier, especially with the, with the heat we've seen pushing the crop a little bit. Just to switch gears a little bit, uh, we've been hearing a little more from the European continent that their crop problems of this summer because of drought uh, maybe were a little bit worse than earlier indicated. What's your feel? What are you hearing? I'm hearing the same thing. Uh, Crop prospects across uh, Europe and uh, and parts of Eastern Europe were impacted by a a dry season and a lot of heat. Europe was was extremely hot during the summer, similar to what we saw. You know, we had a lot of 80-degree days here uh, in July, late July going into August, finally broke that. Uh, just a little bit this week, but it's been uh, been warm across a lot of growing areas uh, globally. What else are you watching in the trade? Of course, the trade discussions, progress or lack of progress, the market gets whipsawed hour to hour by this news. What's your feeling at this moment? I think really that's the most important thing outside of the weather impacts that we've just discussed. It's the trade issues and the trade uh, issues until they're settled are going to keep our markets very volatile and apprehensive uh, as there uh, is quite a bit of uncertainty, uh, especially with the soybean complex right now in, in, in light of what's going on with China. A lot of farm state lawmakers would love to see the dust settle on this. Well, a lot of farm state GOP lawmakers would love to see the dust settle on this ahead of the midterm elections. Certainly, I, do I you hear think Do you think they'll ratchet up the discussions? Well, I think that with the midterm coming, there's an incentive to settle this. Uh, if it doesn't get settled before the midterms, it's quite likely this will drag on well into next year. Let's talk for a moment about China. We heard a report the other day that they are underscoring extensive use of ethanol, that they plan, they issued a directive, I guess it was put out on the state government website, that they want to see more widespread usage of ethanol. That's more corn being used somewhere, somehow, isn't it? And It is, and you've seen them. They're attempting to draw down two or three years' worth of old crop stocks. Uh, they had quite a stockpiling kind of a, a, of an initiative in, in the, over the last 10 or 15 years, and it seems like a lot of that is a part of this push, maybe to draw down those stocks and use up some of that old corn. But it's also an initiative to uh, reduce the uh, dependence on fossil fuels, and uh, it could reduce 
result in uh, some interesting dynamics uh, down the road. They may uh, be back into the corn market globally, and, and of course, that would be very important here for U.S. Long term, it could be positive then for the United States. Could be, and it'll be watched closely. But the trade issues right now are probably the most important thing right now. We need to see some resolution here so we can get on down the road a little bit. Probably a little bit uh, hard to get too excited at the moment then, as far as the U.S. market is concerned, about possible increased use of ethanol in China. I think it'll be a longer term thing. Uh, Max, I think it's uh, structurally corn demand is, is, uh, has been solid. Uh, South American production woes last growing season has uh, allowed the U.S. to gain a little bit market share, a little bit better market share. And certainly things like you've just described with uh, China and ethanol could be very good long term demand components. What was your gut feeling looking at the projected carryout numbers of USDA in that August report? And where do you think those numbers might might go as we go forward here. Well, the bean situation looks very onerous to me. No matter what happens with the export demand, a strong yield this year is going to give us the probability of record-ending stocks here in the U.S. Uh, that's going to make it very hard for the bean market to mount sustainable rallies until we can get into the South American growing season and see what happens. The corn dynamics are a little different. The drawdown in South American stocks last year uh, has uh, increased demand here for the U.S. Our ending stocks here, even with a strong yield, are going to be below last year. So uh, I'm a little bit more encouraged about corn as far as uh, price prospects uh, after harvest. What are you saying to your uh, farmer customers these days as they get ready to go into this harvest? And for many of them, they will have some very fine yields from the field. Well, luckily, we had a pretty good winter-spring market, and I think a lot of growers this year were able to take advantage of that. And Ahead of the end prices. of May, they were able to... Uh, I think so. I, I mean, dealing what with... What percentage them. of your customers would you say well, did that? I would right? say that people have become much better at marketing, and my uh, as I've watched things over the last 30, 35 years in this business, I think people are much sharper. There's a lot more marketing tools available to them, and I, I have a feeling that uh, probably a third to a half of the production had a lot of, uh, of good marketing earlier in the season before the break we saw here in July. We've had a lot of lessons we should have learned in the past, that's for sure. And I, I know some producers were saying, oh my goodness, we should have pulled the trigger a little bit better back in the spring. But as you say, I have heard several growers who weren't really pounding their chest necessarily, but they said, hey, whew, Thank goodness we took advantage of this. I think any time in, in the environment we're off, we're into right now, and when you see prices give us an opportunity above cost with uh, the kind of margins that we'd like to see, it's a good opportunity to do pricing, and, and this spring was one of those opportunities. We always appreciate your coming in. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Max. Greg Grow, Archer Financial Services. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. There is a lot happening next week in the world of agriculture. Much of it headquartered in Boone, Iowa. That's about 30 miles west of the Iowa State University campus in Ames. And it's the annual Farm Progress Show. The granddaddy of them all in this country, that's for sure. And probably the granddaddy of farm shows in the world. But we look forward to it every year. I think I've attended every Farm Progress show with the exception of one when thunderstorms wouldn't let Air Orion fly to the event. 
but I think I've attended every show since 1963. And, of course, it's the opportunity for guests, farmers, and agribusiness people not only from the United States, but from around the world. I'm sure there will be a good-sized delegation from South America, Brazil and Argentina, and from Asia, from China and Japan. And, of course, the European Union will be represented by quite a few attendees from that part of the world. We're looking forward to being there on Tuesday and Wednesday, Uh, Max will be there all three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But Wednesday, it's a special day because Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, will attend the Farm Progress Show, and uh, Max and I will be doing our weekly television show on stage in the Farm Progress Hospitality Tent, at noon and on noon Wednesday, I think we're going to be visited by eight state directors of agriculture and Secretary Purdue. And I'm sure that uh, questions from Max and me will focus on the announcement the Secretary is expected to make on Monday when it's expected that he will give details of the planned $12 billion aid package for U.S. farmers hurt by the administration's trade war. And Purdue, who previously told Reuters the plan would include between $7 billion and $8 billion in direct cash relief for farmers, said it was being reviewed by the Office of Management and Budget. And during a trip this past week to upstate New York to farm country, Secretary Purdue said he hoped to have the program which will provide relief exclusively from tariffs up and running after Labor Day. The Secretary said not going to make everybody whole, not going to make everybody happy. The aid package announced in July expected to include cash for farmers of soybeans, sorghum, corn, wheat, cotton, dairy, and hogs, but it will also include government purchases of fruits, nuts, rice, legumes, beef, pork, and milk for distribution to food banks and nutrition programs. And the secretary also said it would include about $200 million for a trade promotion program to develop new markets around the world. He said soybeans, pork, and dairy were the three major commodities affected by the tariffs. Other commodities have also posted sharp price declines, but that was more related to overproduction. And the package is seen as a temporary boost to farmers in the United States and uh, and being hurt by the trade war and retaliations with China. China, of course, is our uh, biggest buyer of soybeans, and already China is looking for commodities that they can use in livestock feed to uh, replace soybeans. And then there's the NAFTA situation. Talks in Washington aimed at revamping the North American Free Trade Agreement will continue over this weekend and into next week. 
That, according to Mexico's top trade officials, and Mexican officials have been saying a great deal over the past month about getting very close to the final agreement on NAFTA. Meanwhile, we're not hearing much of anything from our neighbors to the north, Canada, that apparently have not been involved in the trade negotiations and discussions. And, of course, we're still waiting to hear what happened in the Chinese-U.S. trade talks at lower level in Washington this week. We are hearing a lot of talk about glyphosate. That's the prime ingredient of Roundup and a couple of other weed killers. I think uh, Bayer, which recently acquired Monsanto, uh, said this week that they have got about 10,000 pending lawsuits over the cancer threat from glyphosate. And in Brazil, they're dealing with the same situation. The agriculture minister, Manji, tweeted today that he had incorrectly stated a day earlier that a court had lifted an injunction on products containing the widely used herbicide and that a ruling was still pending. Well, an appeal is still pending on an August 3rd ruling that new products containing the chemical could not be registered in the country and existing registrations would be suspended as of September. The agriculture minister did say, My desire to resolve this issue is such that I have just passed on information that the glyphosate injunction had been struck down. I'm still waiting for the decision. Sorry for what has happened. That's our time. Along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orion Samuelson saying thank you for joining us on the market sponsored by the CME Group. Music.